want to ask you to continue to read through the Bible with us. We're reading through the whole Bible. We're in the book of Proverbs and getting into Ecclesiastes this week. And so read through the Bible. God said to his people that you perish because of a lack of knowledge. And it wasn't English or literature or science knowledge. It was biblical knowledge. And that's why it's always good to be in the Word and read through it and uh, do that. And so just a couple things before we get in the Word. You can turn in your uh, Bibles to John 14 and then go over to Luke 24. We're going to read two passages today. But I got a call this week from a, a journalist who wanted to know uh, pastor's opinion of COVID-19 and how churches are doing and everything else. And so I, I had quite an interesting conversation with a very nice guy. He writes for the Republican, um, what is it, American? So uh, he's going to publish an article, but I, I basically told him that it's kind of stopped being a pastor in the church over the COVID-19. You become a referee. You referee between those that are uh, believe it's a conspiracy and that it is not, those who believe in mass and those that are not. And he, he couldn't believe it. And I said, well, you should try coming to church sometime. Maybe you'll find out. And he said, well, you, you, he says, you know, uh, I'm an evolutionist and you can't deny the facts of science. And I said, no, but what about the so-called facts of science of the mask? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, as you know, science is based on facts. But the evolution of the facts of mass changes every time Dr. Fauci gets on TV. <laughs> and so he goes, well, well, I, I kind of think he's kind of trying to learn. And I said, yes, but he never said he was learning. He said it was science. So that's why I'm not an evolutionist. I'm a creationist, though I will acknowledge evolution is a theory. And he says, well, you've been very candid, and I'll write this up. And and uh, I said, I'll tell you anything you want. I, I, I'll even tell you I took the vaccination. I didn't do it for myself. I did it for my sheep because I love my flock. That's, that's why I did it. But I didn't do it for myself. And uh, so I had very interesting. So look in the newspaper. I don't know when it's going to come out. You know, he might type it up and just throw it in the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if it can help in any way. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Next week is Pentecost Sunday, the day in which the church of Jesus Christ was birthed, the official day, which you can read in Acts chapter 2. And this week and next week, I'm going to talk about the apostles' doctrine that is getting lost today. We have a lot of people that say, oh, we don't believe in apostles anymore. We don't believe in prophets anymore. And I usually take them to the Word of God, Ephesians, that says, and Jesus gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. I said, are we perfected as a church yet in America? No, but we don't need apostles anymore. <laughs> Are we, do we have unity of the faith here? Was there unity in the church during COVID? Well, we don't need prophets anymore. How can you write off apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers when the church isn't where it needs to be? And what you need to watch out for is when you get rid of those ministries that Christ gave to the church, you also get rid of 
the doctrine of the apostles. And I'm going to talk to you today about what they call apostolic doctrine. I don't know if you understand, but the book of Acts was originally called the Acts of the Apostle. Most people say, no, 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 it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. It's the Acts of the Apostles through the power of the Spirit. And I want to tell you something that's getting lost today because apostle doctrine is what, apostolic doctrine is what opens up the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you have ever experienced a true miracle of God in this church in the last five years? Raise your hand. Nice and high. Well, the reason why you've experienced a miracle is because of apostolic doctrine that teaches miracles still exist today. You go to some churches and they say they don't exist anymore. You go to the doctor's office and do they believe in miracles? No. They're taught not to. So I want to talk to you today about the apostolic doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's how the book of Acts started off, Acts 1 and 2, and how the church was birthed. And I want you to understand, and you'll hear this from me because I really believe in apostles today. People, well, who are the apostles? Who are the prophets? It doesn't matter. They're, they're not who claim to be apostles and prophets on TV. They're the ones that believe the doctrine and do the works, not the ones that say, call me apostle, call me prophet. It's, it's not like that. But Jesus Christ, who the Bible says in Hebrews, is the great apostle, told us that there is a threefold relationship that he intended everyone to have with his Holy Spirit. Of course, a lot of us know better than Jesus. That's why we just get rid of apostolic doctrine. And I want you to know that Jesus told his disciples, don't even start beginning the church until you have all three relationships with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the baptism in the Spirit and the benefits, the spiritual benefits. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, sometimes when you get older in the faith, you sell yourself short of all that God has for you. We allow the American lifestyle to come into the church and we want the preachers to preach fast food religion with a drive-by window. Just tell me the minimum I need to get, out, get in and get out and get to heaven. No more. But when you do that, you sell yourself short of all that God has for you. Let me quote to you Psalm 84, 11, and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives provision and protection. He gives grace and glory. He gives prosperity and promotion. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He will withhold nothing good from you unless you don't want it. And he'll never go against your will if you don't want it. But if you're smart, you'll surrender that will and get all that God has for you. Amen. So this week, I'm going to talk about this threefold relationship, and then next week, I'm going to go through the book of Acts and prove to you the apostolic doctrine of this Holy Spirit baptism. All right? Before, uh, let's, let's stand, and let's go to John 14 first. John chapter 14, verse 12. And Jesus, the great apostle, our Savior, our Lord, the Messiah, died on a cross, buried for three days, rose again. 
He told his disciples, who would become the apostles of the church, he said this in John 14, 12, and you, you and I can read the even verses, and then I'll read the odd verses. Okay, so let's read this together. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father in heaven. That's apostolic power. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He said it twice, just in case some of you fell asleep the first time. When, God, when Jesus says something twice, he's saying, you, I mean this, I mean this. Oh, by the way, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he, one, dwells with you, and number two, he will be... All right. So the first two relationship you can have with the Holy Spirit is with prepositions. He dwells with you. If you've been born, you're a human. He's with everybody. And number two, if you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he will come in you. All right, now let's go over to Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 46. Gospel of Luke, go to your left. And I'm going to read this one myself, okay? Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is Jesus talking. That repentance, here's the gospel, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Here's the great commission. And you are witnesses of these things. He's talking to them, the apostles. And behold, before you preach the gospel, before you do the Great Commission, before you do anything, apostles, I send the promise of my Father upon. That's the third relationship, upon. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem, don't preach the gospel yet. Don't tell other people about Jesus. Don't start the Great Commission. Don't do anything until what? Do you think Jesus knows what he's talking about? Is it his church? Is it his gospel? Is it his commission? And then he led them out as far as Bethany. And just in case they weren't listening to what he said... He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then, got to go to 51. It came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them, and he was... How many know if you didn't get his message, you'd get it when he started floating to heaven? <laughs> he just floated on to heaven. He was raptured up to heaven, just like us, amen? 
Amen. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, as we talk about this threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you would have us to hear. Open our hearts. Some of us have learned some things that need to be unlearned about what you said, Jesus. We were taught wrong things in the church about the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and we've hardened our hearts against what you told your apostles. Help us, Lord, to soften our hearts. And Lord, we pray for a little girl named Ava today in the hospital. We pray, Lord, for strength. We pray for a healing in little Ava's body of the cancer. We also pray, Lord, for Maria Marceline. In Jesus' name, we curse that water around her lungs. We ask in Jesus' name that the water loose her in Jesus' name. And Lord, that she'd be able to breathe and open up, Lord God, with breathing and her heart would function right. And Lord, we pray for Dan Roberts. You continue to heal his hand from this burn. Thank you, Lord, that it wasn't worth, worse. We believe in healing because healing is of the apostles and no one else. And we believe this apostolic doctrine in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many know you can't pick and choose what you like of an apostle? You either take it all or you don't take any of it. You don't take any of it. So you may be seated. Let's get into this today. My goal is to help you understand that people who receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit have to believe it first. How will they believe it unless it's preached to them? How will it be preached to them unless a minister is sent to them? So important. That's how the gospel works. And so we're going to get into this, in, into the threefold relationship. Let's go to A, please, Janelle. And you need to understand this. This is who we are as a church. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. Open your heart. Don't be a fast food Christian. Get all that God has for you. All that you have. Are you a little cold, Rachel? You want me to ask Roger to turn the AC up one? All right. <laughs> I don't want you shivering from my sermon. <laughs> Number one. Put it up to 70, Roger, please. Number one. The Holy Spirit lives with you, not because you're a Christian, but because your mama gave birth to you. If you were birthed, the Holy Spirit is with everyone. He loves everyone. But just because the Holy Spirit loves you doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because God loves you don't mean you're going to heaven. You've got to respond to that love. But he's with us. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is just as much God as the Father, just as much God as Jesus. He has all the qualities, characters. He's omniscient. He knows all. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And when you were born, the Holy Spirit was with you, and he was doing one thing trying to draw you to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why he's with you. Maybe you remember before you got saved, some of those 
interesting experiences. He was with you with good times. He was with you in bad times. He was with you the first time you bought a car, bought a house, went to school. Even though you didn't know Christ, he was with you. He was with you through a divorce, through a bankruptcy, through a tragic car accident. Even though you didn't know him, he was with you the whole time. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit to be with you is to bring you to know Jesus Christ to bring you and convict you of your lack of righteousness. For unless you have a righteousness with God, you're not going to heaven. And Jesus is our righteousness of God in Christ. That's who he is. And so you remember those times when you first ran into some Christians inviting you to church, and you said, those guys are so weird. Well, the Holy Spirit was beside that weird guy saying, speak to them. Tell them your testimony. Give them a scripture. Invite them to church. Tell them what I did in your life. And you said, that's just so strange. That's, you know, kind of coincidence. I ran into two of these weird Christians in one week. It was no coincidence. It was the Holy Spirit. He's with you, bringing you to know Jesus Christ. It's very important that you understand that. And uh, he's always there so that you can understand You've got to have another relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't just have him with you. The second one that you need to have, and Jesus said this, he is with you, but he will be. When you repent of your sins and realize, I have no righteousness, I have no right standing with God, and I know Jesus died, was buried, rose on the third day, if I put my faith in him, it's not my good works that's going to get me to heaven. I repent of my good works, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Then, at that moment, the blood of Christ cleanses us, and the Holy Spirit comes into our heart. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. You want to know why the world can't handle the Holy Spirit? Because they don't like truth. We've been trying to figure out truth during this COVID, and you don't know all the truth, and neither do I. But one thing we know is if they don't know Christ, they don't want the truth. John 1.14 said, And we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And it's the Holy Spirit job to bring you to truth as a person. As a person. And so that's what he does. Go to the next scripture, please. Another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because they don't want the truth. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you in the day you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior the Spirit of Christ came in you, came right in you. Now, this is important. We sang today a lot of songs about grace, and I didn't ask Christine to sing about grace. But what you need to know is you get no grace from God until the Spirit is in you. You get no grace until he's in you. You get God's Spirit leading you to Christ. He, you get him to bring you to conviction, to bring you to the truth. But that's not enough. But when Christ comes in you, 
Now, God looks at you through the blood of Christ and everything he gave his son Christ, he gives you because of the blood of Christ. You get all grace. And that's why you can't stop at just saying, well, I go to church. I don't really need Jesus, but I go to church. It makes me feel good. That's the Holy Spirit with you. You've got to have him in you to experience the grace of God. And the grace is unmerited favor. It's anything you have that you don't deserve that is good, that's grace. Everything. Your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your church, your, you know, whatever, your health. All these things, every good thing you have comes from the Father above, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So you've got to have this second relationship where he comes in. Now, when I was, I was raised in a pastor's family, and when you're raised sometimes in a godly family, you don't always appreciate what you have until sometimes you've got to leave the nest. You know, the, the eagle has to get the eaglets out. <laughs> and you don't know what you got until you leave sometimes. And that, for me, I went through a difficult time for a few years while I backslid away from God. And I remember when I went through a difficult season and I came back to the Lord through His grace, I remember the freedom of having guilt gone, the freedom of peace coming upon me, the freedom of joy. And those are all aspects of grace that I only can get through Jesus Christ. It's what he's doing in me. First, the Holy Spirit is with me, gently pushing me to Christ. When I come to Christ, then the Spirit of God, through the cleansing blood of Christ, he can come in me. You got it? He comes in me. And Jesus says, that's when I start cleaning up your life. But you know what? I didn't save you for yourself. You're not here for yourself. You're here for others. Say with me, others. The world we live in, the United States of America, says be a narcissist. You know what a narcissist is? It's all about me. Everywhere I walk, the sun follows me. The sun, every, everything's about me. My food, my time, my money, me, me, me. And Jesus says, it's not about you. It's about the family of God. It's about the body of Christ. And because of that, you're just not spiritual enough to know how to treat other people. So I'm going to give you a third relationship so you be nice because the Holy Spirit remembers how not nice you were before you came to Christ. And some people come to Christ and they say, I just add Christ to my life. I just add him to what I'm doing. And he goes, no, 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 no. You see, when you get the Holy Spirit, the baptism, when you ask Christ to come in, he takes up residence. When you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he becomes president. You with me? That's the difference. People say, I thought I got the Holy Ghost. Yeah, he's resident. But is he president? Is he president? Let's go to the third one. Jesus said in Luke 24, tarry in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father for which he will come upon you. A different preposition. He's with you. He shall be in you, and then he comes upon you. 
He's with you to bring you to Christ. He comes in you to do a cleansing work. He comes upon you for the work of the ministry. Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But most Christians do it by their might, do it by their power, and then they snap at you because they don't have the Spirit of God working upon them as they should. So you've got to have this. Go to the next scripture, please. When Peter went down and preached to the first Gentiles that ever got saved, they were a bunch of Italians from Cornelius' house. And he was a big shot general in the Roman army. And the Jews went down there because they thought perhaps maybe God will save them and come in them, but he would never come upon them because these Jews were taught racism. How many of you know racism is taught? How many of you know no one is born a racist? You learn it. You learn it. So they went down there, and they said, oh, Jesus is going to save the Gentiles. Isn't this great? The blood of Christ actually might not just go beyond the Jews. It may get to some Italians. And so while Peter was preaching these words to the Italians in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit fell what? Oh, that's the third relationship. And all those who had heard the word, or the word of Peter preaching, and those who were the Jews were what? Shocked. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Even those Gentile dogs can be saved. Can you believe that? That's how powerful the blood of Christ is. They were astonished. As many that it came with Peter, because the gift of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, which is the same as the baptism, had been poured out on them, upon them. How did they know? For they heard them and magnify God. Not amazing. That's the third relationship that he was doing. Unbelievable. Now, we believe apostolic doctrine. How do you know you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you that you speak in another tongue, you speak in other languages. It could be a human language, it could be a divine language, it could be an angelic language, you don't know what it is. But you speak in other tongues. That's the, how you know. How do you know the Holy Spirit is with you? You don't know. You don't know. You can't see him, but if he brings you to Christ, you know he was with you. How do you know he comes within you? You don't know. But if someone says, wow, you've changed. What's different about you? Then you know the Holy Spirit is doing a cleansing work. How do you know if he comes upon you? Well, Ephesians 1 calls it a seal, the seal of your salvation. Anyone know what a seal is? I'm not talking about the one in the water. I'm talking about the one that you stamp. You can see a seal. You can hear a seal. You can, you know, you ever, it's so important. And the baptism is the seal of your salvation. It's a down payment. Paul says it's a guarantee that you're going to heaven. And so I don't need it. I don't need it. Well, if you know better than Christ, go right ahead. But let me tell you something. You don't need to have an attitude of, I won't have anything Christ has for me if it scares me. You don't need to walk in Christianity with fear. You need to ask him to increase your faith. 
No good thing will he withhold for them that walk uprightly. I quoted that, uh, Psalms 84. Everything God gives you is good. You're confusing the devil. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That's what you fear. God won't give you something. Which man among you, if his son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Matthew 7. If he asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good things to them that ask? If you think you're going to ask something from God and he's going to give you a serpent and a stone, you need to go back and start studying the goodness of God, the grace of God. The baptism in the Spirit is something that God wants us to have so that we can minister in his power. He doesn't want you just to be have the Holy Spirit yourself. He wants you to be a vessel, a channel. Jesus said in John 7, out of your most inner being will come rivers. How many remember that? Rivers of living water. How many know you can't drink a river by yourself? How many, it's not for you. It's not about you. And one of the reasons why people don't want the baptism is because they're a little too selfish. It's not about you. All that I do, I try to do in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. And it's the way Jesus set it up, which means everything Jesus did, listen to me, is very important. Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. He never used his divinity once in doing any miracle, any healing, anything. The only time he used his divinity is when he pulled off and he unveiled his glory. That was it. Every healing, raising from the dead, every miracle Jesus did, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit upon him, which happened at his water baptism. Go read. After he came up out of the obedience of water baptism, it says the Spirit of the Lord descended. Pretty interesting, that preposition. And everything Christ did, he did in the power of of the Spirit. Now, you may say, well, how does this really benefit me, Pastor? Why, why, you know, why do you have to speak in tongues? And, you know, I, I just don't like this tongue stuff. Well, take it up with Jesus. I'm going to tell you why you need it, though. Well, is it all about tongues? No, it's not all about tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is like a shoe. And God wants to fit you for the shoe. And if you get a new shoe, the tongue usually comes with it. You with me? <laughs> How many know when you rip the tongue out, it's not a shoe? <laughs> you understand? That's what it's all about. People say, I want to, don't. It just comes with the shoe. Now, let me give you, there are four things. There's more than four benefits of walking in the power of the Spirit with the baptism of the Spirit or the gift of the Spirit or the promise of the Father. I don't have time to tell them all, but I'm going to give you a few. Let's, let's go up to uh, B, the fourfold benefit of the blessing of the Spirit baptism. All right? Number one, the first blessing is, let's go to the next one, please, is that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to become the president over your what? Say it isn't so. 
Some of you got a potty mouth. A lot of you have a potty mouth. You want to know why God likes you speaking in his tongue rather than your tongue? Because his tongue is more pure and righteous than your tongue. And he likes to control that. Because the tongue is what determines your tongue takes you to heaven or your tongue will take you to hell. Did you know that? It's a little rudder in the back of a huge ship that determines where the ship goes, right? And it's a little member in a big body that determines where this body goes. So when you think about the wisdom of God saying, I want to pour out this third relationship so that it will control your tongue, you can't be cursing and swearing and telling people off when you're praying in the heavenly tongue. Next scripture, please. This is a benefit. And the tongue is a fire. It, your tongue is a world of what? Iniquity. The tongue is set among our members, the hand, the cheek, the ear, that it defiles, or it can defile, the what? How many knew your tongue could defile your whole body? God knows. And he can set on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by what? See, when you get saved, God begins to take the hell out of you. And that's why he wants to give you the baptism so he can start with your tongue. Because your tongue is connected to the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, thank you. And if there's something with the tongue, there's something wrong with the... And so God wants to cleanse it and do a work in you. And when you get it, he begins to get control. And that doesn't mean we walk around and we speak in tongues all the time and add, you know, try to be strange. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, I don't. You know, in the church, I don't. I'd rather edify. So there's nothing wrong with that. And so there's a story of this woman who uh, went to church to hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and she wanted to be baptized. She wanted this third relationship with the Holy Spirit. And they talked about the book of Acts in Acts 2, and during the birth of the Pentecostal church in Acts 2, basically they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and then they saw tongues of fire on everyone, and then they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues, Acts 2, 4, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so she was trying to get this third relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is separate than salvation, and she didn't get it. Sometimes you don't get it the first time. You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness, because if you don't hunger for it, God ain't going to give it to you. He gives, he, he, he puts nothing on your lap. You have to ask, and it'll be given to you. You have to seek and you will find it. You have to knock, and the door will be open. So she went home a little disappointed, saying, well, it must not be for me because I didn't get it. Typical stinking thinking of a man. It's not for me. If it's for me, I'll get it. God has my address. Well, God knows your heart, too. So she went home a little upset. She came home. Her husband was watching TV. She says, you know what? I'm going to go up. Maybe God will give me the baptism without someone laying hands on me. So she went up to her bedroom and opened her Bible, started praying, and started worshiping God. And then she heard the sound 
of wind. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is like Acts 2. And then she felt the wind come upon her, and it released her faith, and she began to speak in other tongues at home. And she says, isn't this great? I can't believe this happened. God filled me with the baptism of speaking in other tongues at home. And then, and then the wind stopped and the noise stopped. And she looked over and she realized it was the furnace. The fan turned on, created the noise, blew the air at her. And she, it helped her release her faith. And that's what released her faith. It's a true story. I know the pastor it happened to, you know. And you don't get the baptism without faith. And usually the laying on the hands is the point of contact. When they lay hands on me, I will receive. You have to focus it. And then he gets your tongue. And you surrender your tongue. I used to play hockey, baseball. Hockey, there's a lot of interesting, colorful adjectives they use in that sport. And when you develop that, you have to ask God to cut that out of your life. It takes time. One of the ways he cut it out of my life is praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. Number two, the second benefit of the Holy Spirit filling you is that it will enhance your prayer life. And I tell people, when you get baptized, you get tongues. You get the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. But don't stop! That's the sin of Christians. I spoke in tongues 20 years ago. You just grieved the Spirit. You just vexed the Spirit. He just gave you a prayer language, and you said, I don't need you, Holy Ghost. I, I got English. It's better. You pray in tongues every day. Every day. The Bible says you pray mysteries unto God. The Holy Spirit prays a perfect prayer for you. Why would you not use the gift of tongues? I'll tell you why. Because your heart's not surrendered. Well, I only have one or two words. I don't care if you have one word. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom little is given, little is required. If you only got a little, use it. Well, tongues really is the least of the gift, Pastor. Well, if you don't have the least of something, you don't got much of anything, do you? You better get the least of something. That's how it works in the kingdom. Everyone says, I just want to take Billy Graham's job. That's all. I no one starts out there. You start out at the least. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will what? He will lift you up. Now, listen. I need to use my daily prayer language of tongues. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And shitarabas andola. This is how I pray in tongues every day. And I have people come to me and they say, Pastor, I got two jobs. I got three jobs. Pray get the right one. Which car do I get? Who should I marry? What college should I go through? What is this and this and that? And, and, and I'm like, I don't know, but I know one who does know. When I pray in tongues, I pray a perfect prayer. I don't know everything. I got a lot of weaknesses. And one of them is I don't always know how to pray. I got more weaknesses than Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> got donuts. Everyone's giving me a donut today. Put the scripture up there. You, you don't know how to pray. Don't think your English is better than God praying in the Spirit through you. I'm giving you apostolic doctrine that came from Jesus Christ to his apostles. You want to know why there's little power in the church today? We've thrown out apostolic doctrine. 
Your belief determines your behavior. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For Paul Height does not know what he should pray for as he ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession with Paul Height with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart of Paul Height knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he, capital H, God, Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying the perfect will of God. When I'm praying in English, I don't know if I'm praying the will of God. You with me? That's why I, every day I pray in it. Every day I need it. Next scripture, please. Spirit led. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue all the time, then I walk around like a weirdo Christian speaking in tongues all the time. You know some of those? Paul dealt with some of those quacks in the church. My spirit prays, but my understanding is... Yeah, and, and guess what else is unfruitful? Your Christian witness is unfruitful. You remember the first time you walked in a Pentecostal church and someone spoke in tongues? You said, what in the world is that? <laughs> There's got to be balance. And Paul knew this Corinthian church had a little bit of imbalance. So he says, for those of you that are a little bit out there, this is what you should do. You should pray in the Spirit and... A little English... Little English, little Italian, little Czech, all right? Whatever. Don't use the gift of the Spirit to be weird. I grew up in this. You can tell I have a little passion against it because I can't stand people that bring a reproach to the Spirit of God and to the church. There's a balance. And the church has to, pastors and leaders have to say, listen, that's an imbalance. You've got to have a balance. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, write it down. I speak in tongues in a whole church. One guy speaking tongues in the whole church of Christ. That's a lot of speaking in tongues. But he says, in the church. In the church, it's different. All right? You don't forbid it, but there's a little bit more uh, guidelines that go with it. Number three. Let's go to the third one. The Holy Spirit... When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get to give the Spirit, and it comes upon you, He will empower your what? Not to be weird. I have to tell you something. Uh, I, I played a lot of hockey in my last church, and the greatest compliment someone ever gave me is maybe there is one or two Christians, but they said to me, you know, we know you're a reverend, but... You're the first born-again guy that is just not weird that we've ever played hockey with. <laughs> That's a compliment. Because that means there's a lot of born-again people who are just weird. You don't want a weird witness. You want a good witness. And the Holy Spirit will give you... Well, you say, what does it mean to be a witness? It means whatever you do, you are a witness. In your words... If you're helping in the pantry, if you're greeting, if you're ushing, if you're uh, cleaning the toilets, if uh, you're working, if you're working on a car, if you're teaching, if you're accounting, if you're engineering, whatever you do, you are a witness. 
Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you become his witness. You know, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to have people come up and hug you and you're going to go, who are you? Your witness is why I'm here. What are you talking about? I watched you. I watched you at work. I watch how you respond. I watch when your child died. I watch when you went through this and that. You don't know how people are watching you, your witness, but the Holy Spirit knows. Next scripture. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, and you shall be in Jerusalem, in Waterbury, in Oakville, in Watertown, in Connecticut, and when you're brave enough to go down to New York City, <laughs> you will be my witness. Wherever you go, people are watching. People are watching. And that's why you say, Holy Spirit, help me. Just help me to be a witness for you. Sometimes the witness is not what we do. Sometimes it's what we say. Sometimes the witness is what happens in the church. Like we had a prophetic word today. Nancy, she's not here. She's teaching. She gave a prophetic word. Sometimes there's a tongue, a, a gift of tongue, a public, and it has to be interpreted so we're not weird. That's the rule of the church. And sometimes someone will give a tongue in a, in a language, a human language. I had a professor in Bible school, uh, an Italian guy, Brother Ferentino. And when he would give a tongue, he, he, he would speak in French. It was beautiful. He didn't know French, but he would speak in French. And then it would be interpreted. It was beautiful. One time, uh, sometimes God will give you more than one language when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit as you yield to him. My dad one time uh, was given a, a Chinese tongue. He was speaking in Chinese. And there was a guy from China who got out from the Iron Wall over there, and he said, that wasn't Mandarin. That was my home tongue that they outlawed because when the communists came in, they slaughtered, they got rid of all the other tongues in China. They just wanted one tongue, Mandarin. And what you spoke was my tongue from where I was raised. That was a witness to that man, to that man. His name was Mr. Sit. I never forget it, Mr. Sit. He said that was the exact language. So sometimes that stuff happens. It can be whatever you do, you become a witness. Number four, and we'll end with this. Probably the one I like the most. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you speak in tongues every day, in your devotional life. Maybe you do what I do here at the front row. Roger and I are up here worshiping. Sometimes I'm singing the song about grace. Sometimes I'm praying in tongues. A little, not loud, because if I go loud, then it has to be interpreted. So I keep it here. I can control my tongue. I can control my volume. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Don't tell me I can't control myself. No, demon-possessed people can't control themselves. Holy Spirit-possessed people, we can control ourselves. I'll be praying in tongues here. This morning I was praying, and I felt something off. So immediately I started warfare, started praying in tongues. I don't know what it was, 
So because I didn't know what it was during worship, I didn't pray in English. I prayed the will of God in tongues and say, Lord, I don't know what it is, but I don't like what I'm feeling. I'm praying against this right now. There's some type of block. There's something wrong here. And so you feel it in your spirit and you pray against it. And then I'm edified. It just builds me up. Why wouldn't you use your daily gift of tongues every day to edify yourself? I don't know about you, but I can't even watch TV anymore because it just sucks the life out of me. It drains me. I was talking to someone the other day, and they said, don't you watch the news? I said, not much. Not much. I mean, you can get it on your phone, but even that. I watch a little bit more because Israel's under attack, so I'm praying for Israel. Pray for Israel. Amen. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Hebrews, or uh, Genesis chapter 4, 12, verses 1 to 5. Next scripture, though. When you're praying in the Spirit, you build yourself up, you build up your faith. This is why when you get the initial physical evidence, which is the beginning of tongues, you use it every day as a prayer language. Why? Because if you speak in an unknown tongue, it will edify you all the time. Doesn't miss. Never misses. I need that every day. Life just drains you, doesn't it? Doesn't life just grind you down? All you got to do is wake up. <laughs> just wake up. And this morning, you know, my, usually I wake up before my wife. Today my wife shoved me. Get up. You got to go to church and preach. <laughs> I said, I don't feel good. She says, all right, go get coffee. I'll get coffee going. Usually, sometimes I jump out of bed, but sometimes it takes a while to get out of bed. That was me this morning. And I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I need that resurrection power. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. So I'm preaching today because the spirit of God resurrected me. <laughs> You draw on that. Do you think I spoke in tongues too? It edifies. It edifies. Next week I'm going to continue this. And I'm going to bring this to a close. And I want to tell you, if you've never received the third relationship, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need it. I can't make you have it. I can tell you there are blockings. You know, if, if your heart's not right, He's a holy spirit. He will not come on an unholy thing. If you're living in sin, if, if you don't yield, you got a potty mouth, and you say, I'm not going to give it. The Holy Spirit is a holy spirit. There are requirements to get the baptism. There really are. But I'll tell you one that seems to work. Not only do you ask God to cleanse your heart, but I know if you fast and pray and say, God, I hunger and thirst for this, you can get it. You can get it. Stand up with me. I used to pray for people to receive the baptism during service, and it used to intimidate people a lot. And my job as a shepherd is not to intimidate anyone. <laughs> it's to help you, help you. And so if you feel you're ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues, the third four, I will pray for you when we're done today. You come down here. But if you don't get it, don't get mad. 
And if you got it 20 years ago, maybe you ought to do what the Apostle Paul said to Pastor Timmy. Stir up that gift that is within you. Stir it up. Sometimes you got to stir it up. So, but before we do, let's put the scripture up there, Janelle, of uh, Philippians 1, 6, please. And we're going to close in prayer. And then the altars are going to be open, and I'm going to pray for anyone, anything. If you need healing, direction, anything you want, I'm going to ask Pastor Roger. Maybe he can come down and help me pray. And then if you want, if you're ready for the baptism this week, we'll pray for you. But if you want it bad, I encourage you to fast a meal, fast two meals. Get your heart right. I had a woman come up here, and she wanted the baptism, and she was seducing a man's husband. She never got it. I found out later, and I said, you think, you, you think God is deaf, dumb, and crazy? He is a Holy Spirit. Some people play games with God. I'm telling you, don't play games. You get your heart right, and let me tell you something. He'll bless you, and nothing like anything else. Let's say this, let's say this before we pray. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know how he does that? With you yielding, with you surrendering. He's got a lot of good things for you. And you don't have to wait to heaven. You don't have to wait to heaven. That's why he said, you pray this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Because it's not on earth yet. We have to pray it. Father, I have taught the apostles' doctrine of what your apostles built the church on, Lord, the threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for those that are wanting to be filled with the Spirit, you would move upon them in faith, Lord. Everything we get from you is with faith. And Lord, we thank you today. Your presence was strong in the church, just a beautiful presence. Thank you for the beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, that the CDC and some of the other things are lifting off, Lord God, this nation. Continue to let it lift, Lord. Lord, those who come down to the altar at the end, meet them here. Meet them with your power. Lord, we know it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by your Spirit. Lord, meet them in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.